Hey everybody, this is Frame by Frame, and uh, this is a little bit of a plug before the show starts. So, here you go. Are you ready? You can find us at iTunes Store by searching for us there, Frame by Frame, separate words, under the podcast category. Look for our logo and then subscribe. You can listen to our podcast directly with SoundCloud, which is at the SoundCloud website, frame-by-frame-2. You can bookmark the website where you can actually find all the above links at roastedportions.com. Follow us on Twitter at framebyframe78, all one word. And you could also go to framebyframe78 with the Facebook group and interact with us there on all our exciting little ponderings during the week when we're actually not podcasting. So please, check us out, subscribe, follow, bookmark, support, listen, and enjoy. This is Frame by Frame. On with the show. Version 4, Part 2, Take 2. You talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Who the hell are you talking? Talking to me? No funny how. I mean, funny. I'm Peter Vinkman. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Let's go, it's getting... Oh, really? Uh, welcome to Frame by Frame. Hello. I'm gonna crank this up. That was for you, punk. That's better. Yeah, I can hear everything. You can hear you, I can hear me. Welcome, Andy. Welcome to the uh, the music room. Yeah. Bit That's... of sea blues for you there. <laughs> yeah. So, seen anything new this week? I've seen lots of things. <laughs> I went watching Ant Man. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. No, there's a surprise. Yeah, a, mar- yeah, so... a Marvel film. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe it? All right. I I kind of don't want to watch that one. It's okay. It's okay. It's not great. Yeah. But it's okay. It's kind of like um, the first Iron Man. Again, it's pretty much that, and um, you can sort of see the Edgar Wright's bit, the Edgar Wright bits that you think that would have been great. But Edgar Wright, what did he do? What was his? He was supposed to be the director. Supposed to be. Yeah, he, he was down out. since two thousand and six to actually direct Ant Man. Oh man! But what happened is because his idea of Ant Man wasn't fit in this extan- expanded universe of what Marvel setting up. He left the project. Well, then don't ask, you know. Well, yeah, I think he was down <laughs> to do it until, obviously, they, figured they out started to do this stops. huge thing and it, what his idea wasn't quite fitting in with that. So he walked yeah. away from the project and he got someone else in to uh, direct it. Think, and they've done a, yeah. it's a decent job, some really funny bits, but very flat and very kind of like, all right, I've seen it, I'll probably not see it again. Do you kind of get the feeling that these new films by Marvel, they're, they're being made under such tight control because yeah. they have to fit into this big, giant landscape of a mythos that maybe it's doing a disservice for the quality and the enjoyment of the film and the po- p- potential of a film? <laughs> maybe, yeah. I think the last Avengers film suffered from that because he had to set up the stage three of 
whatever you know so, yeah this, um, this whole face thing I mean I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it because I don't have to engage I mean whatever whatever they put out they're gonna put out but setting up films for the next 20 years to me is a little bit of a uh, you know don't you know just just let things but what if they don't want to do it anymore you know why can't you just let things just evolve one film at a time yeah well there we go but But that's that's just marvel's way of just doing something different it is but just as a you know just as a film that i watched and it was all right yeah the bits that worked the best was word around because obviously he goes to the size of an ant you know he's minuscule which is different which is different and the, the bits that with the work best with the parts where they're having this Ooh. massive subatomic fight and then you see what it actually looks like like there's a scene where uh, one of the bad guy's about to get run over by a train on the train ship but it's just Thomas the Tank Engine coming towards him and he's like this looks like this huge thing and that thing you see it's just like this train set just falls over you know the the reality and the bits like that re- work really well yeah and the effects are staggering how they've done it but it just seemed like they set up the character of Ant-Man. Was it really Thomas honestly, as well? Was it Thomas the Tank Engine? It was Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, brilliant. Because well, that's okay. That's he, and that's so Edgar Wright. I uh, can so yeah. see that was his idea. Yeah. And um, I just, it's just not the film it could have been if he had directed it. I think that's what. Yeah, yeah. That's what's upsetting. But, you know, there we are. It's the way it is, eh? I mean, at least at least Thomas got in there, because that, that makes me happy as well, that uh, our, well, cult- our culture is kind of influencing a little bit of Marvel. <laughs> He has this. Thing, he has these weapons where he can chuck it at something and it makes it go huge, or he has these other ones. He chucks it and it makes it go small. Ah. And, and, and while this bad guy is that small, he's trying to throw something at it to make it to make him huge so he can attack him. And he hits Alice him. Yeah, yeah. And he hits the the toy Thomas, and it just blows up and goes huge and just smashes through the house. And he's just got this huge Thomas the Tank Engine smashed outside the house with the eyes just bobbing back to forth. It's really funny. It's really well done and funny. And maybe that's uh, there's a possibility that Marvel could start pushing towards doing children's superhero movies with Thomas the Tank Engine, Noddy. Imagine the potential of Peppa Pig. And but I tell you what, there's another. I don't film. know why I'm talking. It's okay. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting you off it. Are you, you, you getting me off it? <laughs> me off. I'm getting you. No. I'm so, pulling you away from a from a train wreck. I'm pulling okay. you off. Away from no, um, <laughs> I watched another film. What's that? Yeah, at the cinema. You did Love and Mercy, ladies and gentlemen. The Beach Boys, if everybody had a mercy, across the USA, round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around. I'm going to make the greatest album ever made. Got all kinds of new ideas, new sounds, new instruments. I may not always love you. You can't just do whatever you want, Brian. I got different stuff inside me. I gotta get it out. You should know Brian has a very sick man. If you should ever leave me, will life still go on? Believe me. Sing what's in your soul. You need to find a way to get back to yourself. So yeah, we watched a film called Love and Mercy, which is the Brian Wilson. Yes, taking taking the. Uh, and this uh, deals with two very different parts of his life. Well, one, one part being uh, the sixties when he had this creative explosion. When he was writing Pet Sounds and um, 
and then the other part is when he was he he meets his soon to be wife Melinda when he's under the grips of uh, this therapist called Eugene Landy. So he was Brian Wilson is um, he's a, a brother. He had two brothers, Dennis and Carl. And growing up, mm-hmm. um, he was under the iron fist of a very strict father. Yeah, he um, wanted him to join the military, wanted him to be... Uh, yeah, and he yeah. used to, you know, like, the, the brothers got beat quite often. Uh, Brian is deaf in one ear because his dad beat him so hard that he lost hearing in one ear. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, so if you think about the music he made... Yeah. ...with one ear... <laughs> It's, it's that's like Staggering. that's but like Van Gogh, you know. That's kind of like uh, well, the thing that the family always had was yeah. singing. So Brian would listen to like the Four Freshmen and things like that, work out the harmonies and teach it to the family, and they'd all sing, and that's where it all come from. So the, uh, his mum and dad went on holiday and gave him some money to live on while they were away. They used that money to buy instruments and started a band with these. With a friend, Al Jardine. Two brothers, yeah. Uh, yeah, his two brothers and his friend, Al Jardine, and his cousin, Mike Love. And um, they wrote music and were lucky enough to be, be a hit. And they started the Beach Boys. Yeah. <clears throat> Which essentially was just like surf music, music about cars, music about girls, all that kind of stuff. Music about freedom, freedom from probably the oppression of the father, it sounds like it was something that they could just escape it was, from. Well, the music was feeling. escapism, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but there was something, you can hear it even in the, the, the even in the, um, the very early recordings of the Beach Boys, that there's, the writing, there's something incredibly creative there. Because essentially, like what everyone did in the 60s, they listened to Chuck Berry and just copied Chuck Berry. So you got like the three chords. One, four, five chord sequence, and then people would just do something different with it, or just do copies of Chuck Berry songs. So what you've got is like Surfing USA is essentially a Chuck Berry song, but the harmonies and what become he became quite famous for was the harm the very intricate, very the jazz harmonies yeah, over like this blues yeah. thing. So the, there's something more. There's always something more to it. You know what I mean? And um, <clears throat> so the Beach Boys went huge, massive. Yeah. Um, number one selling band across the world. And that was good for him. Yeah, that was good for the band. He got popularity. And how this film starts, Love and Mercy. Actually, starts really well where it's just, you can hear like, it's all this sort of ambient coming in and out of the music. And then you just see him sort of sat at a piano talking to himself, saying all these weird things, you know, like, vo- the voices in his head. Yeah. And he's re- he's replying to them, and he's, and then he just zips out. That's how it starts. <clears throat> but he was on a plane, so this is after he's done the film, the album "Summer Day, Summer Nights." We can really hear there's more to the music. He's really getting creativity. There's something more coming out of it. Anyway, they were on a plane coming back from, it might have been UK or somewhere like that, and he ha- he thinks he's having a heart attack. It's a panic attack. He has a massive panic attack. Yeah. So he decides to say to the band. I can't tour anymore. Get someone else to tour, do my parts, and I'll just stay at home and record. Yeah. I'll, I'll make the music, I'll make the tracks, you guys come back and we'll sing. That's what I should be doing. So the band agreed to that, and that's how the, the album sort of starts. That's how the film starts. And that's him writing Pet Sounds. He can hear all this music in his head. And so that's sort of what it's about. See, Pet Sounds was when he, when he started to be totally immersive. 
Yeah, it was a changing point in that, and in, 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 well, in, in the face of music as well. I mean, it, not only did he change, Pet Sounds was that the album that, that blew the lid off the top. Blew the lid off the top. So yeah, 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 yeah. Get well, the thing is, it's the album. So he records this music. He gets some of the best musicians in LA. Yeah, yeah. To come and uh, record this music that he was hearing in his head. And the, the the great thing with this film is they capture that really, really well. It's all done on like thirty three mil cameras, or at least it looks like. They actually did use. Yeah, yeah. They actually did it on thirty. Yeah, because I I did have a little bit of a read on that. Yeah, and so they've got the parts. Impressed. Yeah, and they've got the parts saying like the whole band's in A, but you've put my part in D. Yeah, I, that's not what, you, what you're doing. You've made a mistake. He goes, yeah, no, no, it's okay. It, it's how it, it sounds. It, like sounds in my head. it sounds okay in my head. How can you have two bass we'll lines? Yeah, yeah, in different keys. In different keys. And yeah, and <laughs> you know, like I don't even understand what that means, but that's why you need to have a scene like that to have somebody saying that doesn't make any sense musically mm. otherwise we wouldn't know remember it's the uh, 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 higher octave on the upbeats in the bridge hey Brian I love that Brian yeah I think you might have screwed up here really? let me see well you've got Lyle playing in D and the rest of us are in A major yeah that's right how does that work? two bass lines and two different keys? Well, it works in my head it's all playing in my head, the orchestration, and the five vocal parts. I think it's going to work. Let's try it. Oh, oh, Al, Al, here's how I want you to do it. Because, uh, uh... We would not know. When you listen to it, you, you just wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. That there is two 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 opposing uh, bass lines in there. I mean, you probably would notice that, but not me. Well, that's it. A lot of the music, it's like there's so many layers, mm. and it's like he somehow knew to get like a bass and the piano and some else all going through one mic at the same time would create a certain sound. No one had done it before, but he somehow knew in his head that that's the sound he wanted. I mean, how? If it's never been done, and he's not experimented with it before, but he just somehow knows in his head and has to pre-book musicians to record this one bit. Yeah. How how did he know? This is uh, that's not me. Take one. Ready? Sorry, I guess What? Haven't you, what? haven't you read your own guitar what? book, Carl? What? What? Two. What? Two. Three. Because the people surrounded him. The people that he wanted to accept his stuff, yeah, meaning like his dads and his brothers, yeah, yeah, they never given a go. With the exception of Dennis, who was the drummer, Dennis Wilson, who was like he basically said that Brian's Jesus and were his disciples. That's how much he revered his his brother. Yeah, Carl just sort of went along with it. It's Mike Love who was so vocal because all Mike Love was bothered about singing songs about having a good time and sleeping with women. That's basically all he wanted to do. Fair enough. But so it didn't really matter. It didn't no, really matter but what they did. Brian wanted to obviously explore 
Yeah. He wanted to really create and do something different. Yes. And that's what he said to him when they went off and taught. He said, I promise you I will write the best album that's ever been made. Just yeah. trust me. And he, he did what he did, you know, like Rolling Stone. It was voted the best album ever, Pet Sounds. And, and the Beatles um, were apparently... Um, they went to a recording session. Brian actually invited uh, the Beatles to a recording session. Well, yeah, because that sounds. Yeah, well, a lot spoken about the rivalry between them. Yeah, but it, it wasn't really a rivalry. There's a, me- a media frenzy that was. Just yeah, yeah, it's like selling records. It's like Brian heard Rubber Soul, and then he heard because that album works as an album, not just specific songs. Great song, great song, work of the song, work of the song, great song, work of the song. But he heard that and said the whole album is just a good, a good album. It whole, it works as a whole. Yes. We were told about this group from England um, called the Beatles. Have you heard Rubber Soul, man? Yeah, 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 I've heard it. Oh, I want to do an album like this with the whole things, the gas, gas. So I'm going to do that. So we did. That's what we did with Pet Sounds. Is an album that works as a as a full album. Every every single song in Pet Sounds, though, it, it kind of sounds like. A, a, part of a story part of one story part of one song yeah, you yeah. could literally play the whole album and not know where the seams are I, listen, I, I think of Pet Sounds in my head and I think of Sgt. Pepper's and I think gosh you know that's not that, those two albums aren't very alike at all only in that they're very creative they must have picked up on the creative the creativity of Pet Sounds not the sound it's actually very clever, just on, on any level. If you approach it from a writer's point of view, it's very cleverly written. The harmonic structures are very, very clever. Uh, if you approach it from an arranger's point of view, the kind of instruments he's got on there, sort of an oscillator, a harpsichord, um, you know, he's got some crazy stuff on there. Well, I, I remember doing, I, I combined an organ with, with the guitar. And whew, what a sound, it really worked great. We got them so that they were absolutely enhancing each other. It was like it was like a miracle, a miraculous process. Mm. Seamless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, agree I, with I that. think, uh, in a way, that's kind of how musicals are made. Yeah, or like it's it's like progressive music. They'll do yeah. a concept album. Yes. And the whole album, there's like no beginning or end. The whole album's just one story, like you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like that. It's kind of like that. And, and I, yeah, it is an astonishing feat. It really is. Yeah, and to the techniques that they had to use. Like, I mean, the, the, the harmonies wouldn't multi-track like we do it now. They're all just stood around a microphone. Yes. One microphone and sang. And that's the difference. I think that's probably why um, people don't appreciate it. Um, they, they hear the Beach Boys and they say, "Oh yeah, I like this song. It's uh, Surfing USA. Oh, I like this one. It's uh, it's that happy song that the Beach Boys. Yeah, they, they were just happy and just playing music. But, well, that's but there's the same. so much more. Yeah, they, that is well, that is, there are so much more. It's like when we're getting married. I said like, um, I, what should we have for our song? And I said, I want God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. And Tasha's like, No way, that's rubbish. No way, I'm not having any of that. Yeah. rubbish you know and then a few months later she said I found the song that we need for our um, for, it'll be our song it says everything that needs to be said it's amazing it's beautiful it's on this um, it was a Bill Paxton series I forget what it was called now but it was like uh, there was like a community and um, the theme song was God Only Knows so she put it on for me she went this has got to be the song it's amazing I'm like that's the, that's the song I told that's the Beach Boys meant, meant to be man you know what I mean 
I'm but as, as soon as you like, say Beach Boys, people kind of had this connotation. I'm like, well, where did you surf rubbish music? Yeah, yeah, which is is so not the point. No, <laughs> really not. And how did it? You know, it's it's funny because uh, yeah, I mean, Top Secret did an injustice. I think. If everybody had a 12-gauge and a surfboard too, you see shooting and surfing with a Malibu, because it's totally vision, riding waves to blast their pigeons, and it's so neat shooting ski while you're riding on the heavies all day. Skeet surfing. But that's a hilarious parody. Well, the interesting thing is, they surfing people didn't like the Beach Boys. Really? That's yeah, ironic. They wanted like Dick Dale and things like that. Fair enough. They, it, it didn't get, them, it's it's like didn't get the, them delayed, basically. That's what they're saying. Yeah, the Beach Boys sort of tapped into globally uh, a feeling that everyone got into. Like, so, like my dad in Liverpool in the 60s could somehow imagine what it's like to live in Los Angeles and go yes. surfing. And it's an outside looking in. Yeah, and that's why it did yeah. so well. You know, but there's so much more to it than just that. Sharing sunsets with my favourite girl When we shoot the girl, we really shoot the girl The songs like Please Let Me Wander and things like that was so vocally complex. Like you, the, There's this harmony in it, which harmonises chord, and it's like such a dissonant chord, but it just sounds so lovely and beautiful. <laughs> And he hears it in his head. He's like, you're singing this, you're singing that, right? Let's try it. And he's you sure? Yeah, let's try it. It's great. It's yeah, great. it is. So anyway, so, so back, the in the, back in the film, yeah? So in the film, yeah. Um, he, 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 there's this part in it where he's playing, Paul Dano's playing Brian Wilson. That's right? the younger Younger Paul Brian Wilson, Wilson. yeah. And he's Paul like, um, yeah, Oscar-worthy performance. He's just like he was in the... In, in the people say that he is uncanny that he looks it is. It, that, it, that the actual not just the look but mannerisms everything it's kind of like Kate Blanchett's Bob Dylan kind of thing yeah absolutely that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, there's this scene where he's playing and he, he's learned the songs the actors learn the songs so he's playing on piano and singing so he's obviously he's a musician and he's playing God Only Knows and he just starts and he's playing it and singing it and it's beautiful and the camera goes all the way around him very slowly goes all the way around and sets on him and then in the background out of focus is his dad sat there and he finishes the song and he's like so what do you think dad you know obviously there's going to be harmonies all these counter melodies there's going to be a great arrangement I've thought of in my head what do you think he's like it doesn't matter what I think does it oh, he's like well I'm asking your opinion dad he goes well yeah but my opinion doesn't matter you fired me because that's a little bit of history is because the Beach Boys did well Murray his dad was a struggling songwriter so he started living through him so he started producing the bands right. but he wasn't doing it well at all he had no idea what he was doing he was rubbish so they set up a fake studio so he thought what he was doing was right but it was actually Brian that was producing it all <laughs> so in the end he got that bad and there's all these tapes you can hear of um, 
Brian like just screaming at his dad saying, I know what I want, I know what I want. And Brian's like, yeah, okay. And Murray's like, yeah, okay, Brian. I'm a genius too, Brian. Well done, Brian. Just listen to what I'm saying. I've been doing this longer than you, Brian. Since you put me down. No, no. Since you put me down. No, no, no. you're, you know, since, since you put, put me down, baby, da, ba, do, da, da, do, da, da. Don't is... sing with it, let him sing it once. You want me to leave, Brian? <laughs> no, I just wanted you to let him sing it. Mother and I can leave now. Here we go, uh, duplicating like last time, huh? When you sing Rhonda, make it sexy and soft. Rhonda, you look so fine. Okay. Rhonda, you look so Brian, your voice is shrilling through everybody. Carl, we can't hear Carl. We can hear Dennis, but we can't hear Mike. We can't hear Mike, and we can hardly hear hear L. Can we hear a chord? Just a chord like we used to. When you used to sing clear records, okay? Let's go. Brian, I'm a genius too. Let's go, huh? One, two, three. She was gonna be my wife and I was gonna be her man. But she let another guess. Brian, fellas, I have 3,000 words to say. Quit screaming and start singing from your hearts, huh? You're doing fine now. Watch your ooze. Come in on the low notes, Mike. Carl, ooh, you're ooh. Come on. Dennis, you're flatting. Okay, Mike, you're flatting on your high notes. Let's go. Let's roll. So you're big stars. Let's fight, huh? Let's fight for success. Okay, let's go. Okay, fellas, you got any guts? Let's hear it. That only 82 words. I said 3,000. Come on, Brian, knock it off. You guys think you're good? Let's go. Let's go. What's the matter? You made too much money, buddy? Go ahead now. Say what you want to say. All we needed was help to loosen up. Dennis was flatting. Brian and Mike was flatting on his high notes. We need help. We, we, need, who, who need, we need the honest projection that we used to have. You want to have the, when like you guys get too seven, much right? when you guys get too much money, you start you start thinking you're going to make everything a hit. Okay. Now listen, let me tell you something. Yes. When you guys get so big that you can't sing from your hearts, you're going downhill. 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 Soil was too loud, but we wanted to make him sing with confidence. He needs uh, it. Well, that doesn't make him sing with confidence. He can't hear you turn the knob. Well, I've, I've protected you for twenty. Two years, but I can't go on if you're not going to listen to an intelligent man. Against many people that try to hurt you. Are okay? you going now? I'm no. This is all awfully unfair for you to. Are you going or staying? I don't know. It's going what you want. If you want to fight for success, I'll go all out. No, I don't. We don't um, do that. You think you got it made? No, we don't. Son. We would like to record under an atmosphere you. of calmness. And I you're love not you. My mother loves you. Look, we like to relax. First of session. all, you should never have all these people here. Second of all, who's Second of all they're not saying anything. You you're the one who's talking. You forget to sing from your hearts. I try to give you tips, and you think because you've had a few hits, you got it made. And son, remember this. You always have to fight for success because it comes from your heart. Success never comes you, from a phony singing for money. You have to sing from your heart. Go tell Johnny Rivers that. Not I don't care who you tell. Dale, Capitol Records, anybody. You sing from your heart because you can't compete with their brains that are trying to hurt you. Okay.
please remember that you can only I'm sorry, I can't talk anymore. You can only fight from the bottom of your heart. When you forget to sing from your heart, you do it. But the other guys are coasting. Uh, why don't you I go tell um, Dennis that? Or who, who's, not singing for, who's not singing? The guys are coasting. I, Chuck and I used to make one hit after another in, in 30 minutes. You Time guys take five hours to do it. Times are changing. You know why? Because you guys think you have an image. Times are changing. Don't ever forget. Times are changing. And Brian, like, because he's frustrated because he's know. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can and, relate to that. Yeah, and but his Not, dad did yeah. never gave him the confidence he wanted. And I think in some respects, we're jealous because he had this, this amazing genius. And his dad was jealous of his own brother, his own son. So anyway, he's, so he's like, what do you think? And he's like saying, well, it's just a bit depressing, isn't it? And he's like, well, is it what? And he's like, it just sounds like a suicide song. Why would anybody ever suicide? Wanna... No, that was um, was that God only knows. God only knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, it just sounds like a suicide note. Why would anyone ever want to listen to that? And why would you have a a song with God in the title? It's ridiculous. And so you, it's different. It's not. Yeah, it, it's it's such a heartbreaking like, story because it's one of the yeah. greatest songs ever made. It's, it's Paul McCartney's favorite song. Yeah, yeah, and it's beautiful but to not get to play that song to him then not give him the confidence to want to go on with it i'm a genius too let's go huh one two three does that and he was undiagnosed as having a mental illness yes he had that to contend with he heard voices in his instance it was 1963 since 1963 he had people talking in his head to him okay so he's got that to contend with. He's writing this amazing music they can hear in his head. He just wants to get out. Yeah. But the people who matters to him most never supported him. No. Mainly his dad and Mike Love. So the beach. So he, in the film, he's writing all this amazing music, yeah. and um, the band, that the musicians are like, um, I forget the drummer's name now. Um, oh, Anyway, um, it? it's all right. He was outside, and Brian's just like, like sort of lied on the hood of the car, and he's got his eyes shut. And you can hear vo- in the film, you can hear all these vocal melodies. And the idea is, while he's just lied there in the car, he's working out how all the harmonies are going to work with yeah. the music in his head, because that's how he did it. That's how, yeah. Yeah. What, what's the title? The warmth of the sun. Warmth of the sun. Take one. It's it's a beautiful piece of music. It took him six minutes to write it. After hearing that John F. Kennedy being assassinated, didn't say a word, stood up, sat down next to the piano, boom. Sit up straight, Carl, and you can play. You're laying down. Warmth, take four. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? It is. And um, you can sort of hear the Impossible heartbreak in it. Impossible to play on the piano. I can't get it right. <laughs> I find well, it. Because yeah. it's just a typical, it's like your, your major to your relative minor. So it's like C, D, 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 A minor, D, 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 to F, to G, E flat. So it sort of goes with this normal, very sim- very normal rock and roll There's type nothing generic song. about it. Well, there is. It Up starts, until, yeah. Because you've got the C. Da- to the E flat yeah. that's not right <laughs> that's not in the key of C you don't have an E flat in there and that's the, the 
that's his brain just thinking outside the box. You're hearing constantly. it. You're not you're not playing it. You're hearing it, and that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You know, what what you have in your head is it's the same as writing, same with painting, same with music. I mean, even when I have something in my head and I play it. Yeah, there's something structurally that's awkward yeah. about it, but, but it, it just, sounds right. But just something happens, and then you just go. He's like, oh, and then I'll go E flat. You know, it's um, his brain was incredible. Incredible, you know and what I mean. That, 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 the, the idea of that he's able to put all of his energy into his music. Yeah, yeah. It's astonishing that he actually, like I say, there's, there is a tremendous confidence in him to not just give up or to feel like everybody else is, is against him. Why bother? Yeah. But he doesn't give up. The guitar is out. Yeah, so one for the sun. So okay. Most people were doing like a C, A minor, then then F. So you've heard that a million times, yeah? Yeah. Where he shakes it up, so he's going C, A minor, E flat, C minor, D minor seven, to G, G augmented. A mind thinking outside the box. Yeah, it's like there's jazz concepts in there. Yes, yeah. It's sort of you know where everyone was just doing this relative minor to the fourth to the fifth back to C. Yeah, it's Righteous Brothers kind of formulaic. Yeah, yeah. There's so many songs that just do follow that convention. So to go from the C to the A minor, she expected an F, and he goes E flat, and then C minor. Bear in mind the, the song's in C, and now we've got a C minor in there, then a D minor seven, and then to then the turnaround card is the G, but put the augmented on it. That note brings it back in. Beautiful. It's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's all in the. And nobody was doing this. And it, it, this is why I well, think so, we jazz take it for granted so much. I mean, jazz would do stuff like that. Yeah. But never in a popular music sort of way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so he yeah. was like, he, he had an incredible mind that could just think outside take the box. things that, yeah, think outside the box. It's exactly right. You know what I mean? Even the beginning to California Girls, everyone says like, all right, California Girls is more of a, it's still a very jazzy. as well you know yeah again we're just thinking outside the box aren't we yeah like I said right like I said to you before like God only knows yes shouldn't work right so you've got like um... you've got like a D over G flat 
and then you've got this, you know, like diminished chords coming in and stuff, but which usually sound very dissonant. Yeah. But he's got it in a, a love song. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And, um, yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the <laughs> No, 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 because I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's fascinating because... I think sometimes you hear it, uh, people try and do the Brian Wilson thing by putting it in, but they actually don't have vocals on it. Yeah, well, uh, they, people they... seem to think doing like high falsetto and having harmonies is just doing the Brian Wilson thing, but there's so much more to them yeah. than that. Because they, they they stick the vocals in the the, the regular chord set, set up, mm. and then they do a bit of instrumental off, they play away from it a little bit, but then they go back to the... Yeah. But they don't, uh, but Brian Wilson still has the singing he still has the uh, the harmonies playing through the whole chord system yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah, I'm, I'm talking, yeah, yeah. Um, so where people kind of like think that they're doing a the little bit of improvised outside of the regular chord system um, he's able to still have the song well exactly if you listen to the through. end of God Only Knows there's so many counter melodies no. going on yeah. so you know God Only Knows what I'd be with God only knows what I, God only knows, God only knows what I be with. All going at the same time. But like Queen, where where Queen actually did with Bohemian Rhapsody, they kept the singing throughout the whole show. Yeah, well, it was just so, like Queen, even though the harmonies are quite, you know, are good. Elaborate, but it's not. But it, it's, just, it's just a chord. Yeah. Where he's got, in later stuff, like when the Smile era stuff, there's counter melodies going all the time, like I played your Heroes and Villains last week. Yes. Is, you know, heroes and but in the background was heroes and villains, and then someone else singing a different line, and all these counter melodies going on. <laughs> so complex. I still, I stand by that heroes and villains is one of the most complicated songs ever made. <laughs> Because it's so complex, but never loses its musicality. It never sounds pretentious. No. Because no. The, mu- the the melody's always there. The song's the uppermost importance. It's not trying to be clever. Well, it's w- just what you can hear in his head is pushing out. And was he the first person to ever use the, the, the whistle? <laughs> in, in Heroes and Villains. It's a woo! No, I think it's, actually, it's just a whistle. Yeah, that's that's what I thought it was. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, so uh, you, yeah, that, that thing that they use in Good Vibrations is an actual... That's a theremin. Sy- uh, ...synthesizer, isn't it? Yeah, it's a theremin. It's, yeah, yeah it's just... that's nice, that. That, that. that works, that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And you cannot have it without it. Uh, there's, I don't know what it is, it's an 80s stupid pop thing. That, that they have at all parties and they have that whistle. Right, yeah, yeah. And I've never liked it. But it's okay in Heroes and Villains. It suddenly, it's not something that just happens for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason for it. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's amazing how... If if you yeah I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here but it, it's like everything that happened later on tries to emulate Brian Wilson uh, but never really understands it and thinks that they're doing it mm. and they end up just throwing stuff in because they think that they heard it in, in a Brian Wilson Beach Boys song yeah 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 and so he was right so he he wrote all the music and the band are blown away with it and they, they go about it in the film 
Well, it's Hal. Hal Blaine, that's it, that's the drummer. He's like outside of him saying, we've, pe- we've played with the best, Brain. Played with Sinatra, Elvis. You blowing our minds. It's you, because Brain's biggest idol was Phil Spector. He said, you you leave him for dust. And Brian's like, no, 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 I can't. No, 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 sort of thing. But he said, you, you, we've yeah. never known anyone like it. Incredibly to be able to modest. do what you're doing. Yeah. To just hear this music in your head and just get it out there. So he gets all these tracks down. And then the Beach Boys come back off holiday. Uh, off tour, sorry. And they want to hear these new tracks. And the, f- the film does it really well where it's sort of like... It starts subtly where... Um, where they're singing the songs and the harmonies and everyone's like really impressed and enjoying it but then Mike starts to um, doubt the, the lyrics he's like what are you on about there's a song called Hold, Hold On To Your Ego and uh, Mike looks like what are, you on, what are you talking about ego for what are you on about who's this about and it was speculated that the lyrics were about Mike because his ego's so big and he wants everything right. to go his way yeah, yeah. so that's where the cracks start to form and they start saying why can't we just go back to the way we were that's right about surfing, and then Dennis is like, "Look, surfers don't like our music. Yeah. Brian has made us millionaires. Let's just trust him." Brian, like, Brian was writing about his his fear of, of his ego or something. Like I that, think right? he was writing more about my love's ego. No, he was actually. Writing yeah, about yeah, him. you know, and um, because Mike had always like helped with the lyrics, but now right. the lyricist for Pet Sounds was Tony Asher. And um, I think he was probably jealous because he he basically just come off tour and then the album's wrote, re- it's recorded, it just needs them to sing on it. That's all they had to do was sing on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's all they had to do. So they were left out the loop a bit, a bit jealous maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I think most of them didn't really mind, but it was just yeah. Mike. Just Mike. Because he's just a big ego. He's a douche. <laughs> that's what he is, he's a douche. And um, so that's where the cracks start to form. Yeah, yeah. But they basically say to him, look, all right, you can have this album let's do this album and if it doesn't work it doesn't work and then we'll go back to doing what we what we do right yeah that, yeah know. okay um, well he's trying to record one of the more personal songs and things a song called Caroline No his dad comes into the studio and he's like oh Brian you, your dad's here and he's like oh right okay so he goes into the booth and his dad plays uh, a band that he's going to manage that sounds just like a rip off of old Beach Boys <laughs> He said, these are going to be the next big thing, Brian. These are better than you'll ever be. Oh. You know what I mean? Um, Jeez. Yeah. I'm, nasty. Nasty, man. Yeah, my dad wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No yeah. comparison now. Yeah, he's like, so they, I'm managing these. I'm going to make these the next big thing. While he's trying to record this album, that he said that he's going to be the best God, album ever made. Adversity. Jesus. The stuff that gets thrown at him. Well, that's the thing. I, um, at the end of this, fir- at the end of this film, when I got out, I was depressed. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. because I love his music. I love him to see what he had to go through. Yeah. No one, uh, no one had his back. So anyway, as Pet Sounds come out, it didn't do well. Since he's gone platinum, obviously, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. When people like look back at it retrospectively and see it for the masterpiece it, it is. Yeah. But at the time. In America, people didn't latch onto it, and the British invasion had hit. America was just obsessed with British bands. That's all they wanted, like uh, the Stones and yeah, Beatles. Yeah, you know. that was it. So, but in Britain, it did incredibly well. Yeah. And then you got people like Eric Clapton saying, "This is the best album I've ever heard." It's like a cult film. It's like no one liked the thing. The cult album that nobody liked. Yeah, it's like no, when the thing came out, no one really liked it, and then everyone now sees yeah. it for the masterpiece it is. It's that kind of thing. 
were, like say, UK got it, we got it. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things. It's like Ruby Wax not doing well in America, coming over to the UK and doing great, but Tracy Oldman didn't do well here. She went over to America and did brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a similar thing. Yeah. So, um, so Mike's then saying, look, I don't want to be the guy who says, I told you so. Oh. But it's not done well, so let's go back to doing what. Yeah. What we. we but of we course, the follow-up what was going well, to be. Well, the yeah. thing to that is, at this point, he was showing signs of being a bit mad. He had like a teepee in the middle of his house. Yeah. And they yeah. all went in and just smoked pot. Yeah. yeah and mean, then he had like a famously had a sandbox with the piano in it, so he could feel the sand in his feet as he was trying to write. Yeah. And then he just had an idea for a riff. He just sits down at the piano and starts playing it, and he's like, "I can't get it out of my head." And Mike Love sends next to him and says, yeah, there's something there, I like it. And that turned into good vibrations. Yeah, yeah. There's a great scene in the film where they're all in like a pool in his house and all the Beach Boys are on one side of the pool in the shallow end and Brian's in the deep end <laughs> and he's just sort of drifting there and he's like, um, this is when they were writing Smile and Mike's like saying, what the hell is all these lyrics about? Because it's sort of very weird, ambiguous lyrics, you know, and... Um, he said, "I'm not singing this. What do you want about crow flies over at cornfield? I'm not going to. I'm not singing that. It doesn't make any sense." And Van Dyke Parks, who was the lyricist on Smile, was next to yeah. him saying, "Look, it's like an American folk pop yeah. music. It's it, it it's not it doesn't have to make sense. It's as a whole, it makes sense." And he's like, "No, what do you know about? who is this guy? Get rid of so Van Dyke oh. Parks at that point was like walking away. We skip forward a little bit, but it's a great scene. Where, he's he's where, good, Van Van Dyke. Yeah, very yeah. very clever guy." And he's in the, um, and Brian's just like, come on, guys, just get in the deep end with me. It's better in the deep end. And they say, no, we can't stand the up. Metaphor is the incredible. metaphor's amazing. <laughs> come yeah, on. And they're all saying, no, we can't, we can't stand up in the deep end. We, we, we'll, we'll, well that's here, the whole Brian. point. That's, that's the whole talk. point. You can float and just, yeah, you learn so to float. Great. So great. You, or you learn to just sink, you know, yeah. sink or swim. But that was the thing, because <laughs> Pet Sounds didn't do that well. We have this idea for good vibrations. So they made good vibrations. Yeah. Which, is a masterpiece. It's the best best song of the Beach Boys ever. I considered really is the. I think it's considered enjoyable. Like, no, it's not my favorite. I love it, but yeah. it's not my favorite. Surf's up's my favorite. It's the one that get, but it gets you prick, prickles. Oh, it does. Absolutely. When, as soon as yeah. they go into the, yeah, it stops. Freaking silence goes on forever. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Love it. You get it. Man. Silence and music, you know, is underrated, and I think that that's yeah. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. But that's the biggest single they ever had. Yeah. And from that, Brian, this, the the record label said, "You can do whatever you want now." Yeah, yeah. So his idea was is to make what I think he called a teenage symphony for God, <laughs> and that's what Smile was going to be. So we got Van Dyke Parks on board and um, they started writing, in my opinion, some of the most incredible music I've ever heard in my life. Heroes and Villains were on it. Uh, there's a song called Cabin Essence. Yeah. And it somehow makes vocals sound like wind blowing. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I actually think he got the idea for it from just listening to wind blowing. He thought, oh, that'd be great as like a mm. harmony. 
that's, what, that's what his harmonies are, though. His harmonies are this organic we'll talk about element. The, the it's, counter- the, it's the fifth element of the yeah. world. And talk about his counter melodies. In Cabin yeah. Essence, says, Have you seen the grand pulley? And then another voice, uh, da, 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 da. another voice, da, 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 da. and another voice, da, 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 da. all work at the same time. And it's just so incredible and beautiful. But I dig your passion, man. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> dig it. I honestly think, because Surf's Up was on this album, that's my favourite song ever made. I can listen to that and it gives me chills every time. It's mm. just absolutely staggeringly incredible piece of music. Smart. Yeah, and the thing with Surf's Up is just, most of it is just a piano and a voice. It's only at the end where it all really comes up. There's still loads of orchestration in there, but it's still stripped down. That's one of his most personal. Songs. I'd say so, yeah, yeah, and it's just um, it's my favorite piece. It's my favorite song, and I just honestly think if Smile would have come out, it would have changed the course of history. That's how blow much. It out the water, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it 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 would have changed popular culture's way of thinking. Yeah. I honestly think that's what it would have done. Dove nested towers, the hour was strike the street, quick silver moon. Carriage across the fog to step to lamplight cellar tune. The laughs come hard in all clang songs. It's hard to say what would have been, but yeah. because it was like, it's like Cameron Crowe said when Pet Sounds come out, it was the first time that popular music could be art. Yes, yes. It's not just a bit of fluff to make people happy. Mm. It's artistic it's got expression it's 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 deep it's meaningful and it's all popular music it's everything yeah, all yeah. encompassed and um smile because it's so complex yeah and you know and people were thinking he was he was losing it because like there was a there was a part in it called mrs o'leary's cow yes and it's quite and the fire segment um because he has this like element suite which is about it's about earth, then it's about fire, then it's about and water. And he actually, he actually had uh, flames and candles and things yeah, well, on was, fire. Yeah, he was burning, yeah. he had everyone wearing fire hats, and he was running around the and studio a, a with build, smoke. A building around, around the corner apparently caught fire on that night that they were doing it. Yeah, and he, he was could... thinking he was somehow responsible for yeah, it, because he, he was writing <laughs> the piece. It was spiritually somehow. Spiritually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Incredible, he, that. Yeah, he was a spiritual guy. and But around this point, because the musicians were into it, and all his friends who were like part of that sort of scene... Were like this is incredible, Brian. This is this is amazing. But yeah. the people he wanted were the people who were actually going to be singing it on the album. Wouldn't they just couldn't get on board with I it? Think, and I think in they, the they, end, they just feels too separate from everything. I think it was. I think it was the fact that he was burning so bright, and they felt they were just being left behind. Yeah. But yeah. he wanted them to to come along for to the come ride. along and yeah. you know feel it, yeah. do, do it with me. They all wanted their own. But in the piece. end, they thought he was just losing it. He couldn't get on board with it anymore, so... Um... <laughs> They're doing well. Yeah, she's great. So, um, in the end, the way I always thought it was, is Brian just said, right, forget it, I'm not doing it, and shelving the project. Yeah. But, the way, the, film, but the way the film sort of says is, the Beach Boy said, well, you're not doing it, we're not putting this album out, it's too complex, we're going to put out similar easier version of it that they call Smiley Smile which was just segments of Smile that they sort of glossed over yeah, with their yeah um... sort of butchered really yeah yeah and they put that out and that album didn't do very well at all and there's a scene in the film Smiley Smile I mean yeah. there's a scene that, in the yeah. film where he's looking at all the tracks 
Oh, he's got all the tapes in front of him, all the traps, like Heroes of Villains, take one, vocal arrangement, take two, all that. He's just looking at it. And yeah. his dad comes into the studio and saying, I just knew you'd never be able to do it. You go, in five years' time, no one will know your name. No one will know who the Beach Boys are because you didn't listen to me. Well, oh, by the way, yeah. I've sold all the rights to the Beach Boy songs for £750,000 to some company, I forget the company now. He's like, you've done what? He's like, I've sold all the all the rights to your songs for £750,000. He says, those are my songs, that's my life. He said, no, he goes, I've sold them. You, 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 let, you let me go. Your own dad, you let me go. You oh. fired me. So that's what he actually did. He sold the rights to his own but songs. How could he have done that? Because I, I, there must have been a legal thing where he actually had control of the because he Still, was managing yeah. them for so long. Well, uh, maybe this Brian didn't. You know, not everybody has that business sense, able to control their own material. Mm. And obviously, his dad kept but, that to himself. Yeah. Kept but at that point, himself. then he sort of just retreated from life. Yeah. He, he spent three years in bed. He didn't get out of bed for three years. Who can blame him? But I think there was, there was times where... Because there were songs that came out... There's one called Till I Die, which is a heartbreaking song, but it's incredible. It's still an, an incredible piece of music. So the spark was there if it ever wanted to come out, if yeah, you get what I mean. About, yeah, yeah. And there was times where like he, could, he was listening to the Beach Boys recording something in the in the studio. I think they moved the studio to his house just to try and get him involved with it because they don't they didn't have anything yeah it was all brand they, they lost it because yeah. they, then they needed it was him. all him and in fact you know what was it the much later on when they actually did cult come together and, and do uh, the reissue of smile the album he was still they were still trying to put he was still getting up and leaving the studio like well, again they kept on saying come on brian we, we want you back we want you in yeah. So it took a long time. There's a long period of of because uh, he, he did he had a lot of weight gain. Well, yeah, it was well three years in bed. Uh, yeah, it's going to happen, it? and you know he, he'd have like a maid who'd basically do whatever he wanted. Was it was this the because I understand that the film Love and Mercy had the earlier uh, Brian Wilson, and then as soon as the descent began, they well they, they played both parts at the same both, time. Yeah. Okay, so it's, so it's interweaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but they miss out the whole dark period where they go from him to John. Cooper. There's no transitional period. There's the odd bit where you just see like uh, a camera slowly, zo- slowly come up when he was in the bed. Yeah. And um, yeah, so there's that. And uh, but yeah, the film doesn't really go into that dark you can't. period. You don't. I mean, I mean, no. But he was still had an output. He was still writing music. Yeah. And I think, um, and some of the music he put out, there's songs like "Breakaway," which is basically him talking about his mental health. You can hear it in the song, yeah. and that's an amazing song. Um, so there was great output there, and he still had it. He still got it now, as far as I'm concerned. But oh, yeah. yeah, but the film skips to he's trying to buy a car. And the um, Cadillac, uh, story yeah, and he meets yeah. this girl, and it's Melinda, who he sort of likes. Thank and goodness for her, huh? Yeah, th- there's a weird bit of contention there because I think if it wasn't for Eugene Landy, he probably had died because yeah. he was just in bed drinking, self-medicating himself, not doing anything. And um, did Eugene Landy got him out of bed, yeah, made right. him start working out, and um, uh, so I think in one respect he saved his life, but then. He wouldn't let him. He become obsessed. Like he made, he brought, he made out Brian buy a house that he was allowed, and he was allowed to sleep in a certain room. And Brian was happy because he could pick that room himself. Meanwhile, Landy was staying at his house. 
<laughs> yeah, and there's all these scenes of like um, living his life in a way. Yeah, he's living his life. Mm. He was trying to get him to write songs, and um, there's times where he's like just screaming at him, just play them play the song play the song scream at him just put your hand under them keyboard you know and it just and Melinda Hard. saw all this and was like trying to speak to Brian's family saying that like you know can we not we, we need to get he's not right he's taking all these pills they're making him worse and we need to get him away from Landy so even though Landy saved his life I think he become obsessed and wanted to control every aspect of his life who he could see mm. he never saw his kids he weren't allowed to see his own kids things like that you know and um so he's coming from one form of abuse to just another that's why the film's so heartbreaking yeah because it's it's done all this stuff it's great stuff and and he himself is being punished for it the whole way yeah it's just punishment 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 but that's why he is so I mean you look at the interviews of him in the later years and he's such a gentle uh modest you know, he's not this rock god of a person who has an ego or anything. He's just somebody you can you can approach yeah. and have a good conversation with. Very open about talking about anything that you know. He will just sit there in front of a camera, and he will just he'll just do what you what what you've been asked to do. And he, he's mm. so placid and, and, and good natured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I find it aston- that's why I find it astonishing that that this is the guy who did all this. And yet he's still so so down to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been through and, all that, but you can sort of see how scarred he is. Broken. There's a yeah, there's, he's there's broken. a damage. Because when yeah. he's on stage, he just looks like a puppet. Yeah, that's the thing. When well, as soon as he sings, as soon as he's in, the, as soon as the music starts, none of that matters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a switch. Yeah. And um, so, "Love and Mercy" is this song that he wrote. Yeah, called "Love, Love and Mercy," and um, what. What sort of happened is um, they got he basically they found a loophole in the contract that Landy had, so they managed to get him away from Landy, get him properly medicated, and then he wrote this album. Um, which I think it's just called Brown Wilson, but one of the songs on it is Love and Mercy. That's the t- that's the nineteen eighty four album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so- the interesting thing when this song this album came out, the Beach Boys released an album called Still Cruising, which had Kokomo on it, which was from Cocktail. Yeah. And that went, yeah, it was a right song, and Brian had no influence on that. But that song went number one because of obviously he was linked with Kokomo, and Mike Love yeah. was like, "Oh well, I, Brian puts his arty album out, doesn't do as well as ours. We go straight to number one." Even then, they're yeah. still trying to put the dagger uh, in. Oh, but that's that's probably because reputation, previous reputation, put them on number one, not the song. Well, previous reputation and having a, a huge yeah. film like yeah. Cocktail was a massive film. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Tom yeah. Cruise was still young and, and just reaching out um, on, on his on his um, film career, but still, mm. it was a big film, and that is it, it belongs to that film, yeah. you know. But to, to sort of put in later also, on, also Top, is... Top Secret was out that year as well. That yeah. was also another thing because they had a lot. Of, um, the The Beach Boys was featured pretty much along their whole album, right? And okay. uh, Nick Rivers, the character, sang Beach Boys songs you know, throughout mm. the whole film. So that was probably also an influence on the success of that album. One well, of my favourite things I read somewhere was um, they went to uh, uh, get a Lifetime Achievement Award for the Beach Boys mm. and Bob Dylan was there to present it and Bob yeah. Dylan said, I'd just like to present this to Brian Wilson and his backing band, the Beach Boys. <laughs> Amazing. Bob, good old Bob. 
No, it's funny because the writer for Love and Mercy was the same writer for I'm Not There. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, that, yeah. that's, um, I, I think that's probably why that there's that element of of duality in the characters for yeah. Love and Mercy. Why, why people didn't seem to mean that people just kind of say, well, the first guy looks like Brian Wilson, but John Cusack doesn't look anything like Brian Wilson. No, because Brian Wilson himself is is not Brian Wilson. No, he's not. That's exactly right. <laughs> so John Cusack is kind of it's it's an outward portrayal of what that of what Brian Wilson was. What I sort of like about it is and that's the, the same with I'm Not There, which every yeah. every single facet of, of Bob Dylan's personality is reflected by a different through a different actor, yeah. because he was playing different multiple parts in his own life. So I, I, I think that's probably quite similar to Brian Wilson, and maybe it's just a musician thing. Musicians mm. have a, a have a kind of a they live du- double lives in a way. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, would, more so than actors. Good. I mean, yeah, actors yeah. May play many lives. Musicians kind of have that that facade and that uh, you know, or that broken yeah. side. The, the stuff that's in the eighties doesn't work as well as the sixties stuff. I don't think it's, it's different. But yeah. the way it's shot, it, it's still it's just harrowing just to see this poor guy go through it. Yeah. John Cusack knows that all too the, well the thing I sort of love about it is like I'm not sure if Cusack was a Brian Wilson fan before he started to research the role but you can see him in interviews saying that like when you listen to the pet sounds and smile sessions you can hear just the genius coming through and how he's literally influenced the next yeah. 35 40 years of music yeah. it's there <laughs> and he, he, he's trying to get across like I do because yeah. when I'm talking to people I want to get across how important he was as a figure in yes. popular music Yeah, and um Cusack's trying to do that now in the same way of saying like oh I'm not sure if I want to play Brian Wilson and then when he actually finds out about this dark period of his life and what he actually did you want to tell everyone about it yeah, because he's like no forget about the Beatles this, this is, is where it started this is what drives me crazy too I mean the, the idea that all of this and what people have in the back of their minds is is surf music and they think that what they're hearing is not complex that it's just oh I hear the the vocals. They're the Beach Boys. Okay, that's all yeah. they need to know. It's like, oh, that's a song. That was that song. I know that song. That's a popular song. They don't know anything about the technicality of it. They don't understand the double bass line thing, the conflict of chords, the 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 conflict of his life. They don't they don't see any of that. They just no. see the music, and that's why I think afterwards, after watching this documentary on Smile, yeah, and you watching Love and Mercy, and you talking so much about this that it, it hit me what we have now in the music industry in the current state of the music industry is completely ignorant yeah. of everything that's happened before yeah that that nobody's nobody's actually reaching into this and saying i want to be able to do something different i want to be able to make a new sound just like brian wilson did in the 60s and the 70s i want to be able to elevate music to a different level but no 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 they've dumbed it down so much yeah, yeah, yeah. that none of it seems to matter anymore but yeah the 60s was all about coming together yes and celebration but Music now just seems to be about dumbing people down. Dumbing people down and, and making money, which, I mean, yeah, music has always been a career, it's a business. The industry has always been a business from, mm. from minstrels, oh, you gosh, know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but it's, it's the art is missing. There is no art in the to, music anymore. Well, that early very stuff, few. The yeah. money was inconsequential to him. It was, yeah. he wanted to get the music out. That's what was important. There's very few bands like that. I mean, there's 
Powderfinger Australia, they refused to be, to to have a label and a studio mm. label assigned, and they they said we want to write our own songs, we want to be our own band, we are who we are, and that you can tell in their music, they make their own choices, they they take yeah. the, the, the their band the right direction that they want to go. You look at Radiohead. It's very rare. I mean, Radiohead's yeah. Yeah, they yeah. said there you go. There's a there there there's the album. Pay yes. for it what you want. So some people pay like two p for it. Some people pay ten quid. But as long as you pay a little bit, you get the album for free. They're thinking of doing this with uh, concerts now. There's a, a band that that do that that say, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna change the way music is is paid for, uh, and basically you come. You come. He's, he's, she's entertaining him perfectly. Awesome. Yeah, you, you come. You listen to the band, and before you leave, you pay what you th- what you think is what you what you think is worth. Paying. People do it with comedy on the fringe in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. You watch it, and then when you're leaving, you pay what you think it's worth. It's a tip. It's yeah. a tip, and and you say what it, what it you know and. A lot of the majority of the time, I'm hoping that people give quite generously because mm. I think that's one heck of a concept. Yeah, um, it, it takes away the uh, the expectation beforehand. Oh, I paid twenty bucks for this. You know, if yeah. you don't like it, you can leave. You can come back in the middle of a set. It doesn't matter. Music needs to be able to stand on its own without there being any expectation or pressure yeah. from the audience those who sit there from beginning to end and pay generously they're paying for the artwork yeah. they're paying for the love of the music and that's what's important absolutely yeah it's missing it is yeah hmm so in conclusion love and mercy it's yeah I think is it, is it an accurate portrayal of Brian Wilson yeah yeah I think it is he, he, he actually enjoyed the film as well he's totally happy with it Brian yeah I th- yeah I think he said it's pretty much dead on what it was like he said it was hard to watch at times yeah um, so uh, yeah which is it, it's so good that like he, he's now got the recognition he deserved and you know he it's hard to imagine it was a, like ideas to redo Smile and put that out yeah whether it was his idea or whether it was like a big committee of people said let's do this we'll make money out of it I, think it, I don't it, think yeah. the version that they did would have been the version that we would have heard. No. There, there's a great... You can hear the the Smile album, but not done with this new band, done with the Beach Boys, but they put it together like it's... like the They've constructed it from bits that they've heard... From, the, all the tapes that they still got from the 60s, they've constructed it, and that is so much better. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, in, I think, it's incredible. I think it was, and it's, um, he needed that. It was... Uh, uh, all of that that's happening now, the celebration of Brian Wilson and the awareness of him... Um, back in was it was it 2004 I think it was yeah. when you went to London to see you went to watch the Smile being performed in London I did yeah he, he wanted it to be London because he knew that that's where Pet Sounds was, was a hit yeah and he loves the European fans plus everybody from the whole world flooded to that event including you sir so uh, yeah I remember just being on forums and there was people from like Germany and yeah. Italy and all that all talking on this forum and we're, so we're, we're all meeting up at this pub <laughs> and then we're all walking together so it was just like a you oh, know, like a part of this like family nice. of people that just get it yeah. and uh, I remember my, um, my handle on this forum was Culminated Ruins Dominic which is a, a, a something out of um, Surf's Up and it was like totally love your name and you know it was all that and it was just um, it was like things coming full circle and just being there with like a, a crowd of people who got it yeah and um 
we're all crying and laughing and cheering. It was just an incredible sp- experience. Spine tingle. I, mean, I had spine tingles when I saw the, uh, when I saw Powderfinger playing. Mm. I had uh, sp- tingles in my back listening to the Decemberists yeah. live. You know, I mean, these are they're great bands, but I can imagine that night for what because you already knew about Brian Wilson's struggle before then right you yeah well I, I was brought up on all the surf stuff because yeah. my dad loved the Beach Boys and his favourite song at the time was California Girls so I was brought up with all that yes and yeah. then I went to college and then uni and one of my um, teachers a guy called Andy Gleave and he was like check this stuff out and I'd not listened to the later Beach Boys stuff I just heard the surfing stuff and then I heard this and I was like, oh my God, what the hell is this? <laughs> so then I went with my, to my dad and introduced him to the darker stuff, the, you know, because obviously I'd listen to Pet Sounds, yeah. but the Smile stuff and uh, this song like Till I Die and all that and my dad got introduced to that through me. So we introduced the Beach Boys, my dad introduced me to the Beach Boys, but I introduced him to the darker stuff Yeah. and then he become obsessed with all that and... Um, it's strange, isn't it? Because what what Brian represents with, I mean, the, in contrast with his father, yeah. For you, it's complete contrast. It, yeah, it, yeah. it brought your your relationship That's with your it, father closer. Yeah, yeah. When I we went watching Love and Mercy, I had to go watch it with my dad because yeah. there was no other person it, I could go watching it with. Made sense, yeah. Yeah, I, I bet he felt. Actually, we both walked out depressed <laughs> because it, it, it's not an easy watch. My dad no. doesn't think he could watch the film again because it was that because the music means so much to you yeah. to know what he was going through when he was creating it and how but, everyone yeah, just seemed yeah, yeah, to be yeah. against him and I mean how dare they he's <laughs> he, they're millionaires because of him yeah all he's asking him to do is just sing some lines into a microphone but it's amazing how music artists are targeted in that way I mean I mean, uh, you can tell with Michael Jackson there's always somebody who's in control of them you know his family were, were atrocious to him as well um, then you've got, you know, Amy Winehouse's struggle. Um, musicians, man, as soon as they make it big, they struggle. Yeah. And and people want a piece of them, and it's hard work to, to keep it together. And to be honest, I mean, I, that's probably why the music industry does play it safe. They know it's scary and dangerous out there. As long as they're making money, they don't care. But yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's like that's all that matters the age of creativity is gone. It's just about creating fluff for little girls or fluff and excess I mean yeah everybody's a teen idol to everybody I mean t- teenagers have just they just don't have a clue what's good mm. you show them that you play the Beach Boys they just they just go nah it's, and that's a shame it is I'm not yeah exactly I'm not listening to that it's just surf music mm. I don't listen to surf music before, but it's so much more I'm than that I'm hoping that this podcast will actually create a movement in Cambodia like nothing else this time <laughs> I'm hoping that we can actually ignite the country and make them into a whole yeah again but yeah I, I, massive thumbs up to Love and Mercy I don't think I still don't think it's the quintessential Brian Wilson story I, I don't think you can yeah. just tell it in two and a half hours no, no, no. And I think it, it's like a six DVD box set about the Beach Boys and, the, mm-hmm. and his life and his turmoil and what he went through. That needs to be done, whether it well, ever will be. The but Smile it's the best documentary is out there as well, and that's kind of that's with Brian Wilson. Yeah, that's beautiful dreamer. Yeah, beautiful dreamer. I I really really enjoyed that because he, because Brian was there in the whole thing, and they used all the archive footage. They had everything there, and it was it felt quite close. I felt quite into understanding a little bit more yeah but never understanding because you can never be there you know I mean I'd, if I'd have been there one of his <laughs> circle of friends 
in that era, I would have punched Mike Love in the face and I said, either you get behind him and sing yeah. or just there's the door. Because he didn't need them. He could have just used back. He wanted to use them because I think their voices blended together did sound somewhat special and incredible. Yes, but they could but have... But yeah. he could have had anyone to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... And as for the family thing, I mean, at least his brothers... I mean, his brothers both died young. Um, both well, died. Dennis got into drugs. Yeah. And um, he just jumped off a boat one day and never resurfaced. And right. Carl was a big smoke all the way through life and eventually died of cancer. And his dad? His dad died, yeah. yeah. I can't, I'm not sure how, but he, yeah, his dad died. And... So, but Brian's still there. There's this um, scene in the film, it's, it's the very end of the film, where um, he's got himself sort of a little bit back on the straight and narrow, but he's still, he's obviously still, and he, Melinda nearly runs him over, and he's like saying, can I get back in the car, I want to see you, because Melinda's not really seen him. Melinda's helped get Brian away from Eugene Landy, but she's not sure whether she wants to see him. Anyway, he says, I just want you to take, take, take you to my home. He's like, oh, right, okay, then. He's like, right, turn left here. And he's like, well, this one's all the way to your house. He goes, I only take you to the house. I want you to take, take me to my home. I'm meaning where he grew up. He goes, this is the road, this is where I grow up. So just turn left here. They turn left. And it's a freeway. His home's not there anymore. And it's another metaphor. You know what I mean? Was, home is, yeah, a rough fast. Yeah, road. and it's sort of like, and you can see him trying to comprehend was his house gone home, home is somewhere where you go and you stop a freeway is something just as good yeah, yeah. yeah but the way it ends is it they start talking to each other but you can't hear what they're saying yeah. and the songs start to come and the credits start to roll wow and they're talking to each other but you don't know what they're saying and that's how the film ends I love that yeah I love that really well made film beautiful and ambiguous mm. good film recommend it but it's a hard there you go so uh <laughs> been a very musical episode and I'm, I'm quite happy with this loving this yeah. and uh, we'll have to do more I think when, when other music biopics I mean there's Amy that we want to have yeah, a look at I think we'll definitely talk about that I'd like to talk about I'm, I'm Not There another time as well because once you get get down with that you'll be quite interested I think it's quite a, uh, an amazing portrayal by Kate Blanchett so uh, hello so this is uh, this is Andy signing off with a riff style of Mark Maron <laughs> see you next week that is easy to do the piano easy